Amen. Isn't that a blessing this morning? And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how many people's here. When you're not here, you're missed. Amen. And uh, I mean that. You say, well, nobody would miss me. Well, you'd be surprised. Amen. Uh, we get used to folks being faithful and being, in, and that's the most important thing. I'd rather have faithful people as to have rich folk or any other kind of talent or anything like that. Thank God for the blessings of the Lord, but I'm telling you, you can't put a price tag on faithfulness. Amen. And there's a lot of folks here that can be said about this morning, and I thank the Lord for it. If you'll stand with us, I want you to turn to the book of Obadiah this morning. Uh, that's right after the book of Revelations in the New Testament. And so some of y'all find that here in just a moment. I'll give you just a minute. It's Matthew, Revelation, and Obadiah, okay? But uh, some people go in the back of their Bible right now looking through the maps, aren't they? <laughs> if you can find Amos, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, and then Jonah, it's right between Amos and, uh, and Jonah. And God willing, if the Lord's will, I'm going to preach this morning and tonight out of this text and preach the negative side of this portion of Scripture tonight or this morning and then preach the positive side uh, tonight, God willing. Amen. That's the Lord's will. And so glad to be in God's house. Amen. I look at these young boys on the front row. Uh, Brother George, we're going to pull you in there too. But uh, all of them with shirt, shirt and ties on. And so, isn't that a blessing? Amen. I'm glad they're not standing here in t-shirt and tennis shoes or flip-flops or anything like that. Nothing wrong wearing a t-shirt, and uh, you know. But I'm gonna tell you something. When you come to church, you're gonna look like you're going to church. Amen. Yeah, I know that's not popular today, but don't you just get tired of people just? And I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about people saved. Amen. And uh, just going to church looking like a Christian. That's something that's that's just that's just uh, that's just respect and decency, amen. And that can be said all about. If you don't have a tie on, I'm not shaming you for that this morning. I just thought they looked nice, amen. And uh, if you got a pair of overalls and you wear that, it ought to be pressed, amen. And it ought to be clean. Is that right? That's sermon number one. Okay, so you can take that home and share that with somebody, and I know that'll be a blessing to them. Okay, Obadiah, and we look in verse number one. The Bible said, The vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the cleft of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. If thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not have leave some grapes? How are these things of Esau searched, but, uh, searched out? How are the hidden things sought up? All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men of Edom and understanding out of the mount of Esau? And thy mighty men, O Tema, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. 
For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. Notice verse 11. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of his of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou stood in the crossway to cut off those of, of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. Let's go to God in prayer, and then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence once again, Lord, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in Jesus' name. Lord, that name that is above every name. Lord, I pray this morning that you'll give us liberty, give us the words and the wisdom to speak. And God, may we not say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. I pray for the lost, that they would be saved. I pray for the backslid, God, that their hearts would be warmed and they would get right with God. Bless those that have come this way. Lord, visitors, I pray you'd help them and strengthen them and bless all the members. And God, we'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I know that a lot of times when we read these minor prophets, uh, many times we read these scriptures and in our mind... Uh, we forget what the background, the history of the text is. And oftentimes we wonder, what is it that the writer is really trying to say? Well, just to sum the book of Obadiah up very briefly this morning, I can tell you this, that this book is divided, these 21 verses, into two separate portions. The first has to do with the house of Edom, which is the people of Esau. And the second has to do with the house of Jacob, which is the nation of Israel. And these two being brothers, as you know that, they were at odds and were at war and so was their people. And Israel had reached a time when other nations had turned against them. And my friend, instead of Edom being uh, an ally for their own brethren and standing in the gap and helping their own brother, they allied with those nations that had stood against the nation of Israel. And they went down and they warred against them in a time when they could have helped Israel and they could have helped their own people. They stood against them and delivered them back into the hands of Israel's enemies. And the reason this book has been written is because God is angry with the, with the people of Edom. He's angry with Esau's uh, lineage and he has wrote to them and he has said to them two things. He has said, number one, in these 16 verses that we have read, that I'm going to bring judgment and I'm going to annihilate you for standing against your own brethren. And then he uses 
use the last verses that we've not read to promise Israel that deliverance will come and that it is soon on the way. I want to tell you something this morning. God has promised to do the same thing in 2017. Those that stand against God and those that stand against the people of God will surely and utterly be destroyed. But we that are the people of God, though it may look like at times we have been forgotten and been forsaken, God promises sweet deliverance that is soon coming, amen, and that deliverance will come. When you think about this text this morning and you think about what God is saying to the people of, of, of Edom here, I want to draw your attention to verse number 11 and just simply lift out this phrase is what I want to preach on this morning. Notice he says to the children of Esau, to the people of Edom, he says, in the day that thou stoodest on the other side. And I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on the dangers of standing on the other side. The dangers of standing on the other side. In other words, when they should have been on the right side and when they should have been on God's side, they went over and got on the enemy's side. Friend, I want to tell you that very same thing is happening even in our churches today, not just amongst the world, but even amongst the so-called people of God. I'm watching a lot of people in 2016 and 17 that names the name of Christ that would safely be said to be brethren. They're not standing on the right side anymore. Friend, they've done, listen, teamed up. They've done made allies with the world and friendship with the world. And James said that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Amen. Whosoever would be a friend of this world, the Bible says you are the enemy of God. Amen. Now, when you think about this this morning, look with me in verse 1 and 2. I see where Edom's doom is declared. God announces their doom by sending an ambassador down. As he said, the vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. You say, who was that ambassador? That ambassador, my friend, is none other than Obadiah. And what we see in verse number 1 is that this ambassador is on a mission. Amen. And in verse number two, he's got a message and the message is from God. And he says to the people of Edom, behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. Do you know that every Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night, when a preacher gets up to preach, that's exactly what he is. If he's a God called man of God, he's an ambassador. Amen. And he ought to be on a mission every time he preaches and he ought to have a message every time he preaches. Amen. And we're seeing a lot of preachers preach without a mission and without a message. Amen. And I'm telling you, Obadiah stood up and he declared the doom that was upon these people because of their sin. I want to stop and say this morning, thank God for a preacher and thank God for preachers that will preach against sin. Amen. Now I'm telling you, if we was to stop preaching on sin, two things would happen. Number one, our crowd would get a whole lot bigger. Is that right? Because there's a lot of people would get a whole lot more comfortable if you quit preaching on sin. Hey, I, want, I don't want to go to a church where I'm comfortable. Even, even right with God. I kind of want to get in a comfort zone, friend. I don't want to settle down. Are y'all with me? Now I'm telling you two things would happen. Number one, we'd get a whole lot bigger. But number two, we'd lose the power in the presence of God. I'm telling you, God's cycle is simply this. God gives the man a message, puts him on a mission. He preaches on sin. If we'll do what's right and get right, we can have the presence of God and enjoy God's blessings. Amen. And Edom's doom has been declared in verses one and two. And then their doom has been described in verses three down to verse number nine. God not only tells them that he's going to destroy them, but 
but he gives them detail of what he's going to do. He tells them in verse 3 and 4 that their territory is going to be subdued. As he said, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the cliffs of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? God answers that question in the next verse. He said, though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. You see what happened to these people is they lived in Petra, that rose red city, and because they had built cliffs in the rock, they seemed to be invincible, and they said amongst themselves, they begin to get proud, and they begin to say, who's going to bring us down? Man, we're so big, and we're so bad, nobody can bring us down. But they, listen, they forgot the Lord, amen? God said, I'll tell you who's going to bring you down, even though you've set yourself up as the eagle, and you established your nest above the stars, you still hadn't got higher than God, friend. He said, pride has deceived you. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people today, they're being deceived because of pride. Amen? I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we'll get lifted up in pride. We'll think better of ourselves than what we ought to. And the Bible said, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Amen? There's a lot of haughty people today. Even in the church house. We got a lot of ego uh, going uh, running rampant in our churches today. Arrogancy and pride, Phariseeism. I'm just going to preach on all that this morning. It's not always the outward sins of the flesh, and I'm against them, by the way. But I'm telling you, listen, if you don't deal with the heart, and if you don't get your heart right with God, listen, I don't care if you spit white. I don't care, listen, if you're squeaky clean. I'm telling you, and I'm for that this morning. But I'm telling you, listen, you can be squeaky clean and spit white, but if your heart ain't right with God, you're not right with the Lord. Amen? And brother, listen, pride has destroyed a lot of people. You know, some people, they start growing in the Lord and they forget where they came from. You remember when you didn't do right? Remember when you didn't dress right? Remember when you didn't look right? Remember when you didn't talk right? I think it does us good. Now, I'm not saying to embrace them things and go back to them, but I'm telling you, when I see somebody that's not doing right, I don't want to talk about them. I don't want to run them down. I want to pray for them, amen? And I want to consider myself lest I also be tempted because, friend, hey, well, I see a lot of people when their kids are, are kind of like this right here or like this right here, they'll make a lot of bold accusations. They'll make a lot of statements. Can I give you a good piece of advice that I have lived by? When my children was growing up, I made very few statements about my home. Amen? I did. I didn't say a lot about my kids, if you'll remember that. I kept them out of the pulpit and I didn't say a lot of things about how I raised my children when they were growing up. You say, why didn't you do that, preacher? Because I wasn't done yet. Amen? Friend, it's easy to boast when they're, when they're like this right here. I want to see, hey, you know where the rubber meets the road when they get 16, 17, and 18? I know that because I've had Brother David too many preachers, friends that made too many statements. They, they had it all together. They thought they had it right and then bam, I'm telling you, the devil blindsided them and all of a sudden they started seeing things in a different light. You better be careful what you say. You saw a preacher, I'm just trying to raise them right, raise them right. But I'll tell you the best way to raise your kids is to raise them on your knees, amen? Spend a lot of time in prayer for them. Don't say a whole lot of th to anybody about what you're doing. Just stay on your knees. And when people want advice, uh, be careful what you say. Don't give out all that free advice, amen? My kids are grown. And I know as a preacher, you still have to preach on things. But I'll tell you something, Brother Clarity, I'm still careful what I say about raising kids. Because even though they're grown and they're not at home anymore, that devil would love to ruin one of my children today. 
He'd love to put a mark on my entire family. He ain't, he ain't quit just because they walked down the wedding aisle. Right. Amen. I didn't mean to get off on all this, but I'm just trying to help somebody this morning. I'm telling you, pride can pop up in so many areas of your life. I mean, I mean you've got to be careful. You've got to, be, you've got to stay humble if you want the blessings of God. It's amongst singers. It's amongst preachers. It's amongst Sunday school teachers. It's in our membership. I'm telling you, listen, we see this in and out. And I'm going to tell you, listen, uh, God said in this passage of Scripture here to the people of Edom, he said your territory is going to be subdued. What them strongholds you think you've built, that you think is going to stand up, God said I'm going to pull them down and show you who you really are. And I'm telling you, friend, that's happened to a lot of people better than us. He said, your territory is going to be uh, subdued. Then he said in verse number five and verse number six that your treasures are going to be stolen. He said, if thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are these things of Esau searched out? You know what God is saying in these verses here? He's saying if these thieves and these robbers would have come in and if it would have been them robbing you, they'd have surely left something. But God said, when I get through with you, God said, I'm going to strip you of everything you got. I'm talking about the dangers of being on the wrong side, friend. When you hook up with the heathen and you run with the world, and listen, you make your lot with that crowd, you mark her down. If you're saved, God's going to come get you. And when he gets done with you, whatever the devil has taken away, God's going to clean out the rest. Amen? I'm saying it doesn't pay to live for the devil, but it sure pays to live for God. Amen? I've never lost one thing living for Jesus Christ. I've been ripped off a whole lot of times trying to serve the world, the flesh, and the devil. But I'm telling you, when you live for God, it pays beyond what you and I could ever imagine. Amen. God said, when you get out in sin, I'm going to take everything good you got because you're standing on the wrong side. Oh, hear me this morning. I, I'm preaching to somebody in this church that you're living out in sin and you're doing things you're not supposed to be doing and you think, you're, you think man, I, nobody knows. God knows. Preacher don't have to know about it. God knows about it. By the way, I don't have a record book at the house. I don't write down on people's sin. I don't keep up with what they're doing. But I know somebody that does. I know somebody, the Bible said he's got a book of secrets. He's got a book of, he's got a book of public works. I, I know somebody, the Bible says that he's got a book of our words that every idle word that man shall speak will give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Friend, I'm telling you, when we think about how we live and what we do, God is keeping a record in heaven of everything we do today. Talking about Edom, he mentions that their treasures are going to be stolen. I want to ask you one question this morning. You don't have to raise your hand. But if there's anybody in this congregation that got saved and then turned their back on God and went to the world and lived for the devil, would you just think in your mind, would you answer this one question for me? Did it not cost you big time while you were out there in sin? And would you think about this this morning? Was everything that you lost while you was away from God, was it really worth the pleasures of sin for a season? It's not worth it, is it? Hey, young people, it ain't worth it to get out and sin. It ain't worth to sell your body, amen, to this world. It's not worth it, friend, to, to live and, and enjoy the pleasures of a sin because for some people that season may be three months. For some people that season may be three years. But for some people it may be three days. And for some people that season may only be three hours. There's no calendar on the season of sin. 
It's when God says time is up. And I see here this morning that their treasures are going to be stolen. Their treaties are going to be subverted. The Bible said in verse number seven, all the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. Notice this, the men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They have eaten thy bread and have laid a wound under thee. He said in verse number eight that even uh, he's going to destroy the wise men of Edom. You know what God said in verse seven and eight? The crowd that you ran with, that you thought was your friends, those allies that you uh, sided with and turned against God and against his people, God said that crowd's going to leave you high and dry. They're going to put a wound under you. They're not going to be at peace with you. Hey, I want to tell you something about the world today. The world will be your friend as long as you got money and as long as you got something to offer them. The world will be your friend, but you mark it down. The world has no long-lasting friendships, friend. I'm telling you, somewheres they're going to break that friendship. Somewheres they're going to pass you by and turn their back on you and they're going to go, they're going to hook up with somebody else. You know why? Because the world doesn't play fair. The world doesn't treat us right. Friend, I'm telling you, but there is someone. The Bible said there is a friend that'll stick closer than a brother. I'm telling you, there is someone that'll walk with you through the darkest shadows of life. There's someone that'll hold your hand when it seemed like you ain't got no one to give you comfort in this world. There's someone that'll stick with you through thick and thin. He said, I'll not leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm telling you, listen, I never want to turn my back on God. I never want to go back to the world, friend. They've got nothing to offer me. But I'm telling you, listen, I'd rather be a Christian. I'd rather be be saved. I'd rather be born again. I'd rather be amongst the living. I'd rather be in the house of God on Sunday as to be anywhere you want to put me this morning. Isn't it good just to know Jesus? Isn't it good just to be amongst the living? And that only gets better because we got a better place to go. And one day this veil's going to drop and thank God we'll be on the other side and it'll be heaven throughout eternity. Amen. Heaven's gonna be wonderful because there'll be the absence of sin. There'll be the absence of Satan, but there'll be the presence of the Savior. Amen. Can you imagine, my friend, there is no sin and there is no devil, but we'll see Jesus face to face. We'll behold him and that's gonna make heaven heaven. Amen. Are you on the right side this morning? There's a lot of reasons to not live for the world and to live for God and one of them is because if you're saved and you live for the world and you get on the wrong side, you're going to pay a high price for low living, friend. Boy, when I think about this text this morning, he says your troops are going to be slaughtered. He said in verse number nine, and the mighty men, O Tima, shall be dismayed. Every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by the slaughter. God says in this verse, he says, y'all think y'all are so big. You think you're so bad. You're so proud. God says you've, you've lifted yourself up and you, you, you're supposed to be a part of the brethren, but you have turned and allowed pride to, to lead you. And God said, I'm going to bring you down, but I'm also going to slaughter every one of you. Boy, when you think about that this morning, we don't hear a lot of preaching about that anymore. What God is telling them is that there are severe consequences for living a sinful life. And I want to tell you something, friend. You don't have to be out there drinking and doping and smoking to suffer those consequences. My soul, I, I thought this morning when I was praying, I've watched people that I've pastored never go to the world, never drink, never smoke, never, never crowds. And I've watched them fall all to pieces in the house of God. I've watched their children go astray. 
I'm talking about people that sowed little seeds of discord along the way, thinking that's so innocent. You know where their chickens came home to roost? In their children. And they're bearing the burden and the grief of broken heart because of seeds they've sowed. They sow discord in the church, you'll reap it in your home, friend. Amen. Amen. You cut somebody down in the church, you're going to reap it in the lives of your children. This morning is something that we should all be careful about. See, we sow these little things and we think that, well, because we're saved, we're safe. But I'm going to tell you something. God deals harder with his own than what he does with the world. He's not talking to the world, but he's talking to the people of God. He's talking to the house of Edom. He's talking to Esau's lineage. Hey, that, listen, Esau was every bit as much a son of Isaac as what Jacob was, but he had no spiritual mind. He, he threw his birthright away. The Spiritual things meant nothing to God and his children's 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 children on down through the line paid for it and God said I'm going to slaughter you. You know why? Because back years and generations upon generations ago there was one of you that never saw any value in the spiritual things of God. Oh, we can talk the lingo, we can learn the songs but this morning what side are we really standing on? Do you know in a church sometimes there are people that work harder against the church than they work for the church? You say, Brother Gravity, I just don't believe that. Well, look in these verses this morning. Edom's doom is not only declared and described, but it's also deserved. See, God never does anything without being just in what He's doing. And He says in verse number 11, In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, and in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces and foreigners entered into his gates, talking about Israel, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, notice this, even thou was asked one of them. I want to tell you something. I, when, when people go against God or against his people, I don't want to be one of them this morning. I don't want to be standing on that side. You say, well, preacher, I would never go against the church. If you're not for the church, Jesus said you're against it. If you're not working for the good, he said you're working for the evil. God has no silent saints, amen. To sit back in silence and do nothing is to be as guilty as those that are going against and that's what God is saying. And in this, uh, these verses here, he marks seven things of someone who is standing on the other side. He says in verse number 12, he talks about when your brethren become strangers, you're on the other side. He said, thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. He said, you're on the other side when your brethren become strangers. Isn't that interesting? Because when people start getting away from from God or they start drifting or they start getting other ideas in their heart or they give their heart to someone else, guess what? The church that they once loved, the people that they once loved, the pastor that they once prayed for, all of a sudden they become strangers to them. You know, I know when people are backsliding, I'll give you a good, good mark when people are backsliding, they start distancing themselves from the church. They start getting further and further, they don't just quit, but they just start getting further away. They quit fellowshipping. Even in a church, if they're not right with God, they'll distance themselves. Maybe they don't distance themselves from the whole church, but they just distance themselves from certain people. You know something about fellowship? It means you fellowship with everybody. That's right. 
Not a selective few, not two or three or four, but it means you go around and you fellowship with everybody. Amen? But I'm telling you, when people start getting things in their heart, well, I, I'm going to talk to 98%, but now that one brother or that one sister, you know, we just, we have a, we have a what do they call it, a, um, a personality conflict. No. There's no such thing as that. It's worldly terminology. You just got out in your heart. That's what a personality conflict is. Well, we're just oil and water. We, we, you know, we don't mix. That's not what the Bible says. We're brethren. And we dwell together in unity. We get along with each other. Well, I don't cause any problem. I just stay away from them, you know. That's not right. Your brethren should never be a stranger to you. What that means is, there should, you ladies, or never be a lady in this church. You can't go up and shake your hand, look them in the eye, and with sincerity say, hey, I love you. Amen. As men, there will never be a man in this church we can't look them in the eye and shake their hand and mean it in our heart and say, brother, I love you. Amen. Preachers, I know we got preachers in this church and I want to preach to all you preachers. There will never be that way amongst us preachers. Amen. Amen. I've seen people get out of church and out of the will of God and it all started with bitterness years ago. Jealousy, envy, strife, all that stuff. I, I'm just preaching the text this morning. I'm telling you, you get on the other side. You start working for evil rather than good, whether you intend to or not. When your brethren becomes a stranger, notice this, uh, that you become, uh, listen, a you become uh, on the other side uh, whenever you get blessed at their struggles. Notice what he said in verse number 12. Neither shouldst thou rejoice over the children of Judah in the day of of their destruction. When you see somebody struggling, when you see somebody going through something, that ought to not bring you joy if you're a Christian. You ought to pray for them. But I have seen people in church. I've seen people actually get joy. I've seen the fall of other people. Now, I don't misunderstand me. There's no problems that I know of this morning. I'm just preaching what's on my heart. But it sure needs to be preached, don't it? You never know what can be lurking in people's lives. And my friend, listen, you're on the wrong side when you can rejoice over something bad happening to someone else. You're on the wrong side. Listen, another mark is when you boast about their struggles. Notice what he said in the latter part of verse 12. Neither should, neither should thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Because Israel has fallen, it's not a right for them to rise up and speak proudly and boast about their struggles. But have you ever heard this said before? Well, I knew that was coming. Amen. Well, I, t I could have told you that a long time ago. That was going to happen. Well, you know, the way they've been going and the way they've been living and the things they've been doing, boy, there's not no grace in that, is there? I know nobody here has ever done anything like that. It's awfully quiet this morning, ain't it? I'm glad I'm having chicken for lunch today. Amen. Hey, people boast about other people's struggles. A spiritual man or spiritual woman, the first thought is they'll be broken when people are hurting, when they're struggling. The second thing is they'll be prayerful. And the third thing is they'll be faithful to conceal the matter. Amen. And I don't care if people shout the house down. I don't care if they run the aisles. And you know I'm for that. But if they got a tongue that will not quit, you mark it down. Their religion, the Bible says, is in vain. Amen. Oh, this morning, I didn't know I was going to preach on gossip, but I sure am happy about it. Amen. I know y'all are thrilled. I'm talking about, hey, he says here, 
when you're boasting about their struggles, he said, you're on the wrong side, friend. When you're a busybody in their situations, he said in verse number 13, thou shouldest not have entered in the gate. God said, "If you, you'd have been better off not to have been down there in Jerusalem when this was going on. In other words, you shouldn't have been in their business. Uh, you shouldn't have hooked up with the heathen when they went in the gate to destroy Israel. You had no business being where they were at. I'll tell you, when things are going on, we ought to be careful not to be involved in people's affair. We'll get on the wrong side of things. Isn't that right? We'll get on the other side when we're busybodies in other people's situations. And then he said, when you bid offense from their substance, notice what they said in verse number 13. In the middle part, he said, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. I'm telling you, these people, they went down there and they took what was not theirs. They gained from their loss. Can I tell you, a Christian will never try to get one up on another Christian. Amen? They'll always be fair dealings. Isn't that right? They'll always treat their brethren right. I know everybody's looking for a good deal. I know everybody wants to make a dollar to get along in life. Hey, but when you use the church as a manner or a means to get one up on somebody else, you you are on the wrong side, friend. Amen. I ain't got no problem with people having businesses. I know some of you ladies have businesses in the church uh, and I commend you for being a virtuous woman and do, doing that. But I'll tell you, don't ever let that take the place of your spirituality. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you this morning, don't ever let that be what drives you. Uh, listen, when you come to church, it ought to be worship. It ought to be church on your mind. Uh, it ought to be serving God. I'm not saying you can't do some things like some of you do, but you better be careful in those affairs. Because it's never worth a friendship. Brother Lanny, I would rather give you a dollar as to beat you out of one. Amen. Man, I mean, I'm, y'all pray for me. I'm going to need a lifeline to get out of this sermon. But I know I'm dead on it. I mean, I got about 10 coons up in the tree right now and I'm a barking at every one of them. Amen. Just preaching what's in the Bible, amen. I don't know how I got off on all that, but it's in there, ain't it? I mean, you can't get one up. Don't you hate when people just, and hate's a strong word, I shouldn't use that, but don't you strongly dislike when people have the mentality that church is something what they can get out of church rather than what they can give to the church? Well, I'm telling you, church is the most precious thing we've got, Amen. This is not a bank. This is not a loan company. Somebody say, man, and I'm for helping the poor and feeding the poor. But I'm telling you, there's some people, they come to church uh, and all they got on their mind is, well, uh, you know, uh, how, can I, how can I get one up on somebody else? You know how to note them people. I'm going to tell you how to note them. They've been hurt by 10 other churches. 10 other pastors has done them wrong. Everybody's mistreated and they always get the bad end of the deal. That's not the truth this morning. The truth is there were 10 other good Christian churches that didn't say anything and let them get by with what they got by with. I'm just saying we see this happen everywhere. I'll never forget. I took an offering up one time for somebody there, for a couple that had been visiting this church for about two months. And they were going through financial difficulties and, and we can't pay everybody's bills, you know that, but... They had a little baby and they was they come to me and they said, pray for us, we've got this need. And, and, and I try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but have I ever missed it? Well, of course I have. I try not to. But I mean, in 19 years, you're going to miss it sometimes. But Charles, I just knew that morning God wanted me to take up an offering for them. And I'm still not sure he didn't, but I don't know. 
We took up $500. They came two months, Brother David. We gave them $500 and they never came back. Now that probably didn't bother you, but that bothered me. Because I know if somebody gave me money in hard times, I mean, I'd be shining their shoes. Amen. That's just character, isn't it? And I don't know what happened, but I just thought, well, bless Pat. I'm going to pray for them. But if they come back and they need any more money, I'm going to tell them to go see, uh, uh, you know, go see uh, United Way or go see, the, go see the Moose Lodge, amen, or go see somebody else. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the mooses, the gooses, and all them? I seen them selling pecan logs yesterday. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on now. But they use the church as a bank, a loan company. You know, you know hey, we're not a loan company, Amen. amen. We give, amen, we, we, we give to reach souls. We give to further the gospel, amen. We give to, hey, I'm telling you, listen, even as a pastor, if you come and said, preacher, I can't give you another dime, that don't change the will of God for my life, amen. You say, what would you do? I'd just go get me another job, amen. Some days I want to anyway. And so uh, I just go work. There's no shame in working. Somebody say amen to that. I'm just saying, hey, what we do here, we got one focus, we got one goal in mind, and that's to bring men to the foot of cross, Win them with the gospel. Help homes and glorify God. Amen. Amen. That's our purpose. Amen. But he said you're on the wrong side when you benefit from the people of God, when that's your motive. Then when you, I'll mention this and be done, you're on the wrong side when you block them from safety. As he said in verse 14, neither should thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Do you know what they did? They hindered people from getting help. I never want to be a hindrance. I never want to stand in the way. I mean that. I, I, I don't want to be a hindrance to people. There's too much at stake, isn't there? I want to be a help. I, if you see, I mean, I can see them running through that little, that little rose-red city of Petra. That's where Edom was at. They're running through that. And in Petra, if you've, I'm sure you've probably read this. If you've read anything about that city, this is mentioned. That in Petra, there's only one little narrow uh, entranceway into that city. And it's been said that just a band of soldiers could hold off an entire army of soldiers because of the narrowness of that gap. And so there's just a narrow way. And here comes the, the children of Israel. They're fleeing from their enemies. And those that have escaped from Jerusalem, they're running through that little narrow gap. And you know what Edom did? They stood in the way so the enemy could take them down. I've seen that in church. I've seen people struggle when people could have reached out and helped them. But they stood in the way and they hindered. You know, Paul, when he was dying, when he was getting ready to die in 2 Timothy 4, the last chapter of Paul's life, he did something in that chapter I don't recall him doing anywhere else. He mentioned two groups of people and he told Timothy, he said, I'm going to list two, two groups of people. He said, and here's their names. It's those that helped Paul in the ministry and it's those that hindered him. And I've read that chapter. Every time I read it, it comes to my mind, Dear Lord, I don't, want to be the, I don't want to be a part of the group that hindered the man of God, the work of God. I want to be the one that held his hands up. I want to be the one that helped. Isn't that right this morning? And I'll close with this thought here. They brought him back to sorrow. He said, Neither should thou have delivered up those that did remain in the day of distress. You know what they did? They just simply took them back. They became the downfall of these people and they brought them back into captivity. 
there's probably only one thing that bothers me more as a pastor than anything else. And I'm going to tell you what it is. This bothers me more than anything else. It's one thing when you see people get away from God. That's heartbreaking. Do you know what bothers me more than that? Is when you see someone getting away from God, and it ain't enough for them to get out and sin. It ain't enough for them to just go off and do wrong, Brother George. No, you know what they got to do? They got to try to get somebody to come join them. They got to pull somebody else with them. Got to take somebody else down. I would hate Jonathan to stand before God one day and give an account for being the downfall of someone else. The dangers of standing on the other, the wrong side, the, the other side. I wonder this morning as we stand to our feet, which side are you standing on? Which side are you on? Just because you're in church and you told a Bible, singing the choir and all these things, that don't mean your heart is on the right side this morning. You can't give your heart to people. You can't give your heart to places. You can't give your heart to pleasures. You can't give your heart to anything else. My friend, you'll be on the other side. I wonder this morning, which side in your heart are you on today? Where's your heart at? God knows. He knows my heart. He knows your heart. I, I don't, I, I'm telling you, my biggest fear is I don't want to reap the seeds I have sown through my children. I want to do right. You say, preacher, I, I, I've just made a mess of things. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I've just messed my life up and I fear. I'll tell you what you could do this morning. You could step out of that seat or that, that aisle, that, that pew there and you could come down this aisle. You see, if Edom would have only repented, they could have found mercy. And there may be someone here this morning, you say, preacher, I, I'm telling you, I'm ashamed. I, I've, just, I've done things. I've made mistakes. I've messed. I've been on the other side. I've been on the wrong side. And I've got a lot of guilt because of that. And I don't know what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. Come to this altar this morning. You don't have to tell me, but come to this altar and say, God, tell him just what I said to you. Say, Lord, I've been on the wrong side, but this morning I'm joining forces on the right side. This morning I'm getting back where I need to be at. Lord, I'm sorry. And in wrath, would you remember mercy? And surely he will this morning. There is mercy. There is hope. God will remember if you'll just come, if you'll just repent, you can get on the right side this morning. Brother David's going to sing while folks are praying. What page are we going to sing, brother? 